thank you for ears to hear this morning and hearts to receive. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful woman and the ministry that she is a part of and the blessing that that is to not only our church here in this community but to other churches within the Southern Highlands. We thank you for the connections and the networks between the churches here in the Highlands and Cape and Ray. We just pray that you bless this woman in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, but good morning, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. I see a lot of familiar faces that I've seen in the community. Um, my name is Katrina Good, and I originally come from the state of Tennessee, the beautiful country music state of Tennessee, if you guys have ever heard about it. Um, it's great. I've been here for now four years, and I work for the local Bible college called Cape and Ray, Australia. So that's probably where you've seen me. I'm the ministries coordinator, so I'm out in the community a lot, and that's why I love my position, because I get to meet great people and connect the student with so many different ministries. So I'm very thankful for our partnership um, here with this church. Um, the students, they get to come here on Sunday, so that's probably where you've seen them most. Um, but also, they come to Soul Warmers. And they've been involved with that for a few years now. And I just hear so many amazing testimonies. I don't know if you guys get to go to Soul Warmers uh, during the week, but just so many amazing testimonies of, well, first God just working through the students and getting to share the gospel and getting just to love on the community. And so I think that's just amazing ministry that you guys have. And I'm so thankful I can bring the students um, to that ministry and get to partner with them. And so... Um, if you've never heard of Cape and Ray Australia, it is a, a short-term gap year style program. There are actually 26 of these types of Bible schools all over the world. And so the name of the international organization is called Torchbearers. And so our here is called Cape and Ray. So that's why we have funny different names and it gets kind of confusing. Um, but I actually was able to attend the Bible schools when I was 19. And when the students come to our Bible school, since it's short-term, it's all based on understanding your relationship with Jesus. I mean, they sit in the classroom, they get the teaching, but also we plug them into the community. We disciple them. We do one-to-ones. There's all these intricate parts of our program that we do. And a big thing of when the students come is they're a sponge. <laughs> they're soaking in all of the material we're giving to them. They're actually so hungry, but, but they don't realize they're so hungry. Because in that timing, maybe they came from a Christian home and they realized that Jesus died for them and the significance of that being back in connection with the Father through Jesus' death and resurrection. But also, they sometimes don't really understand that Jesus died also to live in them and that beautiful, beautiful reality. And so sometimes in our own Christian lives, I don't, I don't know all your stories and if you've been raised in a Christian home, I was, I knew a lot of the language of it, but maybe I didn't know the life of it. I knew a lot of the theories, but maybe I didn't have the experience. And so God is constantly at work trying to bring us into more understanding of who he is through our experiences through life. Yes, it's so important to be in the church and be fed as a sponge, but it's also so important to go and to experience Christ personally. And I just have had a crazy season the past, like, well, six months or maybe my whole life. Um, but especially in the past few months, I led a mission trip to the Philippines. I brought seven students there. I went to Europe. I went to this international conference there. I, I did a reunion with my past students. And 
then I came back and actually this past week, I just got back, I just drove back from Melbourne, um, speaking at a youth camp for the week. It was amazing. I mean, God just did incredible things, not because of me. I was just the empty vessel that was like, okay, God, give me the words to say. But, but these students got to discover Christ for the first time. Maybe they've heard it, but they really accepted it. So, so some people gave their life to the Lord. And so I'm going to share today a lot about what God is teaching me. And it might be something that you've already heard before, but I encourage you as we're here today, let the Lord just penetrate his truth into your heart deeper and deeper. Now we can really discover not just the language or the, the theory, but the life and the reality of Christ in us and the power of that. So if you have your Bibles today, I'm going to be in Philippians 3. I love the book of Philippians, um, but I'm going to be honing in a lot on Philippians 3. So hopefully you can read along. I'm going to be jumping a little bit a, a, along. But what I'm going to fixate is, is on the verse 12 in Philippians 3 when it says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God and Jesus Christ. And when I read that recently before, I, was, I read it during all this, that crazy time the past few months, and I was like, the upward call. You know, in ministry, I think about my call a lot. And I need to. I need to put that into perspective. Make sure I know why I'm doing what I'm doing, who I'm doing it for. But I look at that upward call, and I kind of want to unpack that. I want to talk about the implications of our call, first and foremost. And also, I'm going to talk about what our call looks like. If you, if you read along, um, especially in verse 12 to 16, Paul's giving this testimony of his call. He, he had this list of all this stuff that qualified him, you know, to be a Pharisee, a religious ruler. He knew, he knew so much about scripture, but now what he realizes after his conversion, what his call in Jesus is. And it's one that we need to always put into perspective, always put at the forefront of our mind. So just to give you understanding and background to the book of Philippians, it's a different type of book for Paul, because usually Paul is developing kind of main theme and, and, and taking it all through the book. And this book especially, actually, doesn't really have a main point. It, it's mostly to send back to the church of Philippi a thank you letter. He had, he's in prison at this time when he wrote this book, and he got a big gift from this church. And so he's sending this letter back with the guy who gave him the gift, and he's saying thank you. And he also is, he's speaking into the church and wanting to build the, the church up. But each chapter is kind of a, a, a standalone essay almost. But then every standalone essay points back to one central chapter. And, and chapter two, if you get a chance to read it, it's great because it's actually the gospel. He refocuses all, everything back to the gospel. And if you know Paul's journey and other books of the, that he wrote, he actually always did that. There was a little bit, kind of, there's times where you're like, come on, Paul, give me some more. I need some deep theology. But he's like, listen, the theology is the, the gospel is the meat. It's so simple, but it's so profound and deep that it actually, yes, you can know you're loved by God, 
but you could take your whole life to really discover the implications of that. I am loved by the creator of the universe. He looks at me in his love, regardless of what I've done. He looks at me in his love. And so there's this verse that I really love in one of his other epistles. And he says that he came when he was speaking to this group and he said, I came in fear and in trembling. You think, what, Paul, come on, you need to be you need to be eloquent. You need to, you know, show success. And he said, no, I don't speak in eloquent words. He said, I speak only to demonstrate the power of the spirit. So I come in fear and trembling, but as long as I preach Christ crucified, that's essentially all that matters. And so in this book and in so many other epistles of Paul, he wants us to see that living as a Christian means seeing your own story as a lived expression of Jesus' story. To truly be defined by Jesus. To put the gospel in its central focus of our lives. And for us, that means that suffering is actually good because what suffering does is it's a way of living out the story of Jesus himself. We know that Jesus actually experienced the most suffering that any of us will ever experience. But what did he do? Why did he do it? For us. And our lives are going to be a reflection of Jesus. So that when I struggle, I say, yeah, I'm struggling. I got to be real about my struggles. But I feel this power inside me that carries me on, and I can't explain it, but it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's a joy that I can't even comprehend. And so we need that to have that genuine faith. That's what he's asking for. He's asking for all of his believers he's writing to, church, wake up. Know that, that Jesus is the only focus of our lives. We can talk about a lot of different things. But sometimes it doesn't matter because the gospel is our lens. It's our perspective. And I always, I always go um, in the, with the students. Um, my main subject that I teach is, could you guess, evangelism and discipleship. I love those conversations talking about why we need to share. It should be pouring from us because we realize the love of God is inside of us. It just pours from us. And, um, you know, I, I have this, uh, we have this saying at Cape and Ray that whenever we preach or teach or, or whatnot, we only have actually one message. I only have one sermon. I only have one message that I give. And essentially it's all about Jesus. But like I said before, it's not boring because it's like, whew, I should be just as excited as the first time I hear it. Wait, you mean to tell me that this is the gospel? This is what Jesus has done for me? What? And so when I share with them, I say, I do that because the gospel should be our lens. It should be our filter that we filter everything through. Because whatever you put right in, in front of your face, right here, that's your perspective. My eyes are, are fixating on my hand because it's right here. And then, but if I put Jesus behind and I say, oh, but what about this? Oh, but what about this? I have this question. I need to get this answered. That's your perspective. That's what you're going to fixate on. But Paul's trying to get us to realize whatever we put right in here, that's going to be our perspective. That's what we need to focus on. 
Paul says, I have reason to tell you why I know a lot of scripture, why I know a lot of things. But you know what? That doesn't matter. Only Jesus matters because in him I have all that I truly need. And so to, for us to look back on that, that verse 12, how it says the upward calling, what's the upward calling? What, you know, what is this? It's actually the gospel because the gospel is, it's, it's our eternal life. It's what we are given if we receive Jesus. He's our upward calling. He's our focus, but we don't just do it just to get eternal life. We do it because he's the person of, and we're back in connection. It's because it's all about a relationship. It's all meant to be about a relationship with God, now through Jesus. Philippians 1.21, Paul says earlier in that chapter, he said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That can be so contrary to our thinking. To live is Christ and to die is gain. What? What does that even mean? But Paul is saying that our lives here should be summed up in that, should be summed up in following Jesus. And whatever else, in gain, dying is just gain because I'm going to be with him for eternity. I, I'm, I'm in my full perfection, how I'm meant to be. So when we think about our calling, we sometimes think of a place and we get so focused on it needs, I need to figure out my calling. It, it's a certain place. But I really, when I look at this and I'm seeing what Paul's trying to say, I see that he's, he's wanting to show us that our calling, it's a person first. It's a person that we have a relationship with. And, and then he brings us as we follow him and we have the upward gaze. He follows us. We follow him into what he wants to bring us into. So it's not about a change, but it's about an exchange. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We need to exchange our lives for his life and live with that perspective this took me, and I'm still journeying through, you know, learning this every day. What does this look like? And my testimony, I have so many different parts of my testimony and, and, and how I can see that God, yep, that was God working in my life. Yep, that was him. And that I can stand here today by his grace and by his faithfulness in my life, that by choosing him and exchanging my life for his life, I've seen his power work out through me in ways I would have never, ever expected. My story actually is when I was 15, I grew up in a Christian home, but when I was 15, I lost my mom from cancer. And, and with that happening in my life, that was a huge tragedy. I thought there's no way that I could be successful in my life or that I can even live tomorrow because man, I'm just stuck in sorrow and grief. I don't want to be the girl who lost her mom. I, I don't want that to be how they view me. But then journeying on and really, really in that moment, I was like, you know, I, I knew who the Lord was, but I really had to come to terms with it. I'd be like, okay, God, if you are who, if you are who you, they say you are, then you're going to be, have to be that for me. I can't do it. You can and that was that beautiful exchange. And then, man, that's why I stand here today. It's not because I think I'm great at speaking or, or great at ministry or whatever. It's because I've had a personal encounter with Jesus that I can't go back. And I, I can't try to change myself or make myself better, improve myself. But you know what I can do? I can exchange. I can exchange my life for his life. And sometimes we need to realize that's, that's a daily, that's a daily thing. <laughs> Moment by moment, if anything, 
God, I can't do this. You can. God, I can't do this. I mean, whenever I do anything, I have to. I said, Lord, be my strength. I'm about to bring um, seven students on a program called the Aussie Road Trip. It's a really cool program that we have. Six weeks around Australia, just doing ministry, just sharing with people about Jesus. Just being like a disciple where they just go out. That's all they have to give. I don't have anything else but Jesus. And in that, you better believe every day I'm like, Lord, help me. I can't do this. I need you. And so we, we need to come to terms with this first and foremost, that it's the gospel that we are doing this, that it's the gospel that we have as our filter, as our focus. This is our upward calling. This is what we need to make it our own first and foremost before anything else. Before we think about a place, we need to make sure we think about a person. Be set in that first. In Luke 9, 63, or 62, sorry, it talks about, you know, these disciples are asking him about, you know, they're talking about following him. And they said, Jesus like, yeah, follow me. And they said, wait, 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 I need to go back. I need to go, I need to go do this first. Hold on, let me go say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, no, no, no. I need your heart now. I need it now. Follow me, plow forward with me. And, and then this is where this verse comes in. It says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I was given this verse when I was really struggling in a time in my ministry. And I kept on looking back to how I had made decisions in the past. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. What do I do now? What do I do now? And I was stressing. And this, this woman, she spoke this into me. She said, Katrina, plow forward. You can only look forward. If you think about it, if you look back in your plowing, your lines, they're going to be all curvy. They're going to be everywhere. And some of us want to look back to our past, but we're not meant to. That's, that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to look at our past mistakes, but God's like, no, just look forward to me. I'm your upward calling. I'm, it's in me. It's in the gospel. It's because of what I've done. And when we're plowing, sometimes we also want to look to the sides. I think about other people's calling and, man, I want to do that. I want to go there. We're comparing. We're looking at other people's jobs on the farm and, and wanting to be that. But even when we do that, we're not focusing on our own race, our upward calling, where God wants to take us. He wants to show that it's straight ahead. We need to follow him into that. Because he knows the best plan for our life like no one else does. It says it, that he will make exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. I don't know, but that's a, that's a pretty big promise. Exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever ask or think. But make sure our hearts are set on him, plowing forward to our upward calling in him. Just as Paul talks a lot about our Christian life as a race, when you're racing, don't think about your other participants, that they could be maybe better than you, faster. No, you're in your, your corner. You're in your field. You take advantage of that, knowing God will use you there where you're meant to be. So I believe God wants us then as Christians, knowing our calling is the gospel and that upward focus on him. He wants us to be all in. <laughs> but knowing that this is so worth it. This is the best life life best adventure ever to be with Christ and not be half-hearted looking back to the side, but only to him straight forward. This is where he'll lead you in your life. 
So now I want to speak into then our upward calling in, in Christ. Then if he is our upward calling, he is that, that focus, but what it kind of looks like as well day to day and, and things that we need to put in place. And we need to allow the spirit to truly shape our lives, mold us. Now we will be ready for God to use us. Now we'll get to a point where like, Lord, I exchange my life for years. I realize that you, you are truly my life. So the first thing I want to speak into is, well, the call comes with a cost. And if we look to see what, what Paul says in Philippians 3, 7 through 8, he's saying that it costs us everything, actually. But whatever you gain, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. That everything is subordinate to Christ. He is the ultimate gift. And our gaze and our focus, whatever comes after that is just an added bonus. It's just a gift that we have in this life. When we look at this, Paul is almost doing this banking. This is like this banking transaction. And he's actually saying that he's bankrupt, if you think about it. And if you read earlier in that, he's saying that I did all of this stuff. He had this long list of the stuff that he did. He was the ultimate zealous. He was the ultimate one that knew all the scripture. He was from a good tribe. But he's adding up all of his own resources and achievements. And he's saying that the final thing is zero. It's loss. Zero percent. It's like a balance. This is way down, actually. You wouldn't think this. But then on the other side, it goes up. Because in Christ, he is our fullness of life. He is, because of knowing him and his great love and great power in us, that is the gain. So what we think of, this is the paradox of our Christian life. What? I have to lose everything? But it's so that you gain everything. You've heard that quote of Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But we need to know this in our life because he says that he promises that Jesus is all that we need for godliness. All that we need is given in Christ. But sometimes we don't live in that. Sometimes we think, no, 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 it needs to be more. It needs to be better. But Paul's saying, no, we need to get to a, pl- a point of realizing that all we need is in Christ. He's our, our, our only satisfaction. All my achievements, all my resources, they equal zero. So in the place of loss, there stands Christ, actually, because we know that he's taken everything, all of our striving, and he's taken it. And he has fulfilled us in exactly where we need to be in that right relationship. So this is like 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says, in my weakness, he is my strength. No, it's not when I'm strong, he is then strong in me. No, actually, when I'm at a constant level of weakness, he is constant level of strength in me. This is a new way of thinking that Jesus is trying to get us to realize Because if you read the Old Testament, you can see where he had all these other covenants with these tribes and the kings and the judges, but they all failed. And it was setting 
you know, God was setting them up to realize that, that that would fail them. The only thing that would be firm and stable is Jesus. He was the only lasting covenant, and now it's a heart covenant. So coming back to him now, we realize that he is our strength in our weakness. But do we know Jesus' life in our life like this? Can we say that everything is lost for the sake of Christ? That is his lordship? When I was speaking at this camp last week, a phrase that I kept on saying, actually, and I don't, I don't know where it came from. I just, I really felt led on my heart to say that, that our relationship with Jesus is the number one that we should invest in. Because I know for youth, we want to invest in a lot of relationships. We get so caught up in friendships and everything, but actually know that he is our number one relationship and to invest in that only. And then whatever else he brings, whatever relationships, you do invest in them, but you don't get stuck in pleasing them or, or when they say something negative tor- towards you, you don't get affected by it because you're secure in Christ. So you invest in that relationship. And that's what we need to hear, church. That's what we need to hear daily, reminded. Because we turn away. We look back when we're meant to plow forward. And so our upward call, what does it look like? Another thing that Paul says is in uh, Philippians 3, 12, he says, not that I have already attained this or I'm already perfect. He makes sure that he says that I'm still figuring this out. I have not obtained this fully. Yes, I have Jesus in me and I have that perfection in me, but this is not, I'm not home yet. This is still, I'm still on earth and earth is still tainted with sin. So until I'm in heaven, that's when I'm in full, full perfection. And so Philippians 3.15, it also says, let those of us who are mature think this way. We need to realize this. And if anything you think otherwise, God will will reveal that also to you. So essentially, if you think you're perfect, well, you need to think otherwise because you're not. I know that you're not. I'm not. And that's what Paul's saying. But sometimes I think we get stuck in a, a perfection complex. We know this truth that we are not perfect, but I know, and I bet all of you could raise your hand and say that you, you feel this, this need to be perfect. I have to have the, the perfect lifestyle. I need to be the perfect parent. I need to have the perfect job. And we get so stuck in that, that you're actually setting people up for failure because they're putting you on the standard that, wow, they're perfect. I can never reach that. But that's not a realistic standard because you're not perfect yet. What we actually need to be modeling to people is not perfection, it's growth. (laughs) We need to be modeling growth to people, not to perfection. Because growth says, yes, I believe this truth and I'm going to live in it, but I have to constantly remind myself. I have to put my belief in Christ constantly. I have to plow forward. I don't know all the answers, and we need to be real about that. People need to see how we handle failure, actually. They, they also need to see how we, we handle success, too. That's very important. You know, I work with these 18 and above, you know, these people that are coming from all over the world to come to our Bible school, and you know, sometimes I can tell that they're putting me up on a pedestal, whether they say it or not. They're like, oh, Katrina, she works at a Bible school. Oh, she's perfect. She knows everything about the Bible. <laughs> and I could see in their faces a shift 
when I confess and I say, you know, I don't know, I don't know all the answers. You know, if they ask me a question and, and I, I maybe the Lord doesn't want me to speak into it and maybe I feel kind of quieted. I see them realize, wow, uh, she's not perfect. But then they can see when I, when I am speaking and when I'm teaching that it is only Christ in me, the ultimate wisdom that I need, because I can't remember all that I'm meant to remember. But man, Jesus reminds me of all things. So I have to model growth to them. I need to be real. Just as Paul was being real and he said, I have not obtained it yet. This is a big encouragement for me because this is realistic standards that I can live up to. I can see that. And the devil doesn't have a foothold over our lives because he doesn't make us a hold on us to feel like we have to be perfect, but we can be released and rest in our relationship with Christ, knowing that he is the one who will work through me, not I, but him who works through me. And another aspect of what he says is, in the second part of that verse, it says, I press on to make it my own then, because Jesus Christ has made me his own. So I'm constantly growing. I'm given grace. But if I'm going to make it my own, then we need to realize whatever comes our way in this life, it's going to be Jesus helping us to be firm in him and be shaped by him because ultimately he knows where we're going to be led. And he, we need to make sure that we do have it all as our own. But that means we're going to be tested. That means there's going to be things that happen that you maybe don't like, and that's that suffering, that struggles that happen, the pressing, the crushing. But they are producing beauty because those are the moments I have to depend on the Lord. Those are the moments I feel weak. Those are the moments I need God's strength. And so we need to realize that we are being developed. I'm pressing on. I'm taking action to make it my own, but I don't always know. I think of David when he was appointed as, as king he was anointed when he was a young boy, as a shepherd boy. He came out of the field, and, and uh, Samuel actually was like, is there any other sons? And he was out there doing his chores, and then God brought him in, and that was when he was anointed. But so many times we don't realize that he wasn't king right away. Yes, he was given position in, in the kingdom, but it actually took 20 years until he had the full reign of the kingdom. But what was happening during that time? Well, he's being developed. God was developing him and shaping him. He was, he was putting him through different tests. Remember, he was hiding in the cave from King Saul, who was going to kill him. And it, he had a chance where he could have killed Saul, but he waited on the Lord. But that was a testing. God was making sure your faith is genuine. And this is for us to make it our own. We need those tests to make sure we do make it our own. That we can come out with that purified faith that, yep, I know who God is. I know who he says he is because I've just been through all of that. And he is. He, he showed up and I didn't expect it. But we need to make sure we align our hearts with him and seek him, not seek opportunities. So often we feel like, oh, I need to show, I need to, everybody to see who I am, that I'm going to be great. I'm anointed. But God wants you he, he, he knows where you're at. He doesn't need to look for you. He knows where you're at. And when he's ready to use you, he will bring you into the opportunity to use you. So you don't have to worry about being found by God. 
he's right there. He's with you. He's never closer than he, he ever is because he's inside of you. If you believe in him and you have a relationship with him. So seek God, not seek opportunities. Yes. You need to keep active. The pressing on shows action, but whatever it is he has you in, press on in it. Sometimes we, we feel like we need to work to live. So we're working to get through the day. I think what's that? There's like a song about like living for the weekend or something like that. We get so focused on just getting through our nine to fives when actually God meant work to be good, to, to bring glory to him. So we need to actually live to work. We're living with him. It's this awesome life he's given us, but we need to do it with him. So we need to live to work, not work to live. So we're pressing on to make it our own. And then Another encouragement is that he says in, in Philippians 3, 9, he said, to be found in God, and I have a righteousness on my own that comes from the law, but that comes through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So we walk in, in that relationship, pressing on, but in faith. I liked what you're saying today is the funnel that God is always pouring out his grace to us through faith, but we need to recognize it. We need to step out in our faith. Just as Peter stepped out onto the waves, he put his faith, but not a, righteous, a faith from righteousness, from the law, but only through Jesus Christ. And that righteousness looks like trusting Jesus, that I'm going to walk on the waves. And even when I sink, yes, he looked away. He looked to the side, to other people racing or to the other people working in the field. But when he, he was sinking, what, what did he say do, do we remember what he called out? He said, Lord, save me. So as he was sinking, yes, we look at it as almost a failure. Like, oh, Paul, come on. <laughs> you, why are you sinking? But actually the beauty of that, that story is as he was sinking and he, he said, he proclaimed, Lord, save me. That's the faith that he applied. Because the faith, it, it didn't, faith is not what saves you. The person of Jesus saves you. Because in that moment, as he's sinking, he could have been like, oh, God, I have more faith, like mustering up more faith. But he couldn't. But but he did have faith to trust in the one who is the founder and perfecter of our faith. And he looked to him, upward calling to him. And Jesus pulled him out of the waves. And guys, I get so excited because we we don't always talk about that that next part of the story. But if you think about it, what did that that? What did happen when he pulled him out of the waves, when he, when Jesus saved him, it brought him near. It brought his faith in that circumstance of, of yes, we, we will struggle. We, we don't have it perfect. Like Paul says, but when you do sink and you call out to me, I will save you and I'll bring you near. Cause I can, I can imagine as he walked back to the boat, they're probably hand in hand. I don't know. They're probably like, Jesus was like, man, come on, Peter. Seriously, why'd you do that? Oh, you're silly. Because he did. He said, why did you doubt? <laughs> but you know what? He did it in love. I'm sure they were laughing. And I'm sure they were walking back to the boat and saying, hey, guys, did you see that? Paul was like, yeah. Or Peter was like, yeah, I messed up. But look, I'm here with God now. I'm here with him now. The one who saved me, the one who walks on water, I'm here with him now. So we need to be found in him, though not a righteousness of our own, but one that comes from faith and depending on him. That's what our faith is. If faith is in a person, that he will save us. And then 
lastly, I, I love this part about Philippians 3, 10 through 11. It talks about then that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And I think this part important, what's important about this part is the intimacy that we see, that I may know him, truly know him, know the resurrection power, know that in my suffering, I will feel his power. So we need to not just know a lot about him, but we need to know him personally. When you have a relationship with someone, you spend time with them, you talk to them, you get to know them. That's what he's craving. Jesus is craving for us to know him so intimately like that. I heard this story the other day of this Indian pastor calling this American pastor and crying on the phone. And this guy was like, why are you crying? What's wrong? And he had just been with, with other leaders from Western countries. And he says, I'm crying because your leaders actually, because they know a lot about you, but I, I'm praying and I'm crying not to judge them, but that they can know you personally, that they were so caught up in knowing about him, go, you know, going to seminary and, and just, just studying the Bible to know, to know in your mind, but God wants you to know in your heart. And so he's crying for them. And it was amazing. And then he shared, he said, they, we need to be like, when Moses came down from the mountain, he had the Ten Commandments. He had been in the presence of the Lord. We need to be people who would go up on the mountain as well, that we would receive, we would be in the presence of God, because he said that God was with them. But sometimes we, we are satisfied to be people who just listen to podcasts, listen to great worship, or just happy to hear from people's own encounter with Jesus, instead of going out, stepping out, and experience it for ourselves. I think that's a huge challenge. I don't know about you guys, but I know that people in other countries would love to be sitting right here, would love be be drinking in from God's word, but they can't even have a Bible. But they know God so personally and intimately, maybe more than we almost do, because they have to. They have to experience him for themselves. So we need to get caught up and going up the mountain ourselves, not just depending on Moses going up the mountain because we want to know God. So this will happen from our own experiences and, and knowing the life of Jesus that we have. Like I said in the beginning, from my, our own personal testimonies where we've had to exchange our life for his life. Through those times, we will learn the deepest lessons possible and really know that we are in Christ. Because I believe that that's what Paul's trying to say. That's what we should all be saying to each other that we should know Christ. You know the relationship you have in him and the location you have in him. We don't only have a relationship in him where we, he surrounds us, we are in him, where it says we are hidden in Christ, in God. That, that's pretty secure. So that means you're, you have a new placement. You're taken from Adam, your old nature, and if you believe in Jesus and you have a relationship with him, you're placed in Christ. That's the location you're in. And in Philippians 16, at, the, at almost towards the end, he says, now let us hold true to what we have obtained. Hold true to what we have obtained, that Christ is living with us. So life with Christ starts now, the moment you believe, now, the moment, and lasts forever. We don't, we don't just, oh, my upward call, I'll just wait till I'm in heaven. The upward call is now by, 
the gospel because we have eternity in our hearts now. That's the power of it. We are living in eternity now, if you think about it, because eternity is in our hearts. And that's what we need to realize what we've obtained. So we keep at it. We press on. We plow forward the upward call that we have. We set our eyes on him, focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So when we plow, when you go into your different workplaces, wherever you're at, you show proof of God by how you plow, by setting that gaze and being honest, saying, I, I don't know all of this, but I, I'm, I'm true and I set in him, him and I have obtained this. This is what I've received. This is so important. It's meant to be multiplication. Go and make disciples who make disciples. Not let the Katrinas, let the Darrens, let the Nickies be the one to go and share. No, you guys know people who aren't Christians. You need to be the ones to multiply it as well. Because you know people who probably would never come and step a foot in church. But you need to be faithful to those people and press on. If they're in front of you as you plow, that's a good opportunity to share with them. <laughs> that's a good opportunity to share the gospel, the upward call that we have in him. And a big thing is the world wants to tell us that our calling is something else. <laughs> Satan wants to tell us that we need to put it in something else. No, no, that's not it. That's not for you. Put it in something else. But like I said, if we're in Christ, we can come against that in the authority of Christ and set forward. But we need to realize and take our thoughts captive when thoughts like that come in. When we feel like we're not good enough, when we want to leave it up to the people in ministry, we need to own it and realize, no, God wants to do something in us. He's shaped me for this. I, I think that the reason I went through this is because of this. And we need to set our gaze on that. Don't get caught up in the, the lies, the thoughts, the negative identity messages of I'm not good enough. I'm not ready enough. I'm not strong enough. Because man, if we believe that, we'll never do anything. Yeah, Satan will stump us. Yeah, people won't get to hear the gospel because we get stuck in that. But apply God's grace. Put the belief in what you have in your, the spirit, that there's no partiality between us. We all have the same spirit in Christ. And that wherever you're placed, you're meant to be placed. And take that calling there. That's what's so beautiful. We don't all need to be missionaries or pastors. We all need to actually be just working in our, in our section of Eden, essentially, in our gardens, wherever it is. You know, whether you're a businessman, whether you're a tradie, it, it doesn't matter. That's your place you're in. So own that place. Put that belief in the security. And that belief will help you win your daily victory. Because Satan wants to take away, he, he can't take you out of Christ, but, but he can take away your daily victory in Christ. So putting the belief back to your faith in Christ that he will bring you your victory in that day by saying, Lord, I need you now. I need you, Lord and rest that he is going to work through you. Rest that you're exchanging your life for his life constantly, moment by moment. And I love this verse, Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So Jesus wants to show us a new way of thinking. And that new way of thinking 
it is that our life is actually all about him. It's all about him. He's all that we need. No more striving. He's the upward calling that we need. He's the one that will open the doors. He's the one that will place us and use us. We're just instruments. What he requires, he empowers. So whatever he requires of you, don't worry, he'll empower it. And I just want to share this last story that was so exciting that gave me this fresh glimpse of this message and a lot of what I've bred this message out of actually. I was just in the Philippines and I told you I, I led a mission trip with seven students. It's my first time leading an international mission trip and yeah, by God's grace and using a vessel like me, I was able to do it. Everybody's alive. We all came back. <laughs> but we learned some beautiful, beautiful truths while we were there some solidifying our hearts. We got to go to this indigenous tribe up in the, like, this mountain region. It was crazy. We hiked three hours to get there in the like blazing heat. I think it was like 40 degrees, a hundred and something Fahrenheit. Cause I still work in Fahrenheit and we were just sweating and, and we're like, why are we doing this? Oh my goodness. And then of course, when we get to the tribe, we're just reminded, I mean, it was breathtaking. All these, these people had built their own houses, you know, and, and they're farming and everything. And there's all these children. There's so many children. And, you know, it was just beautiful because we couldn't speak any of their language, of course, and they couldn't speak any English. So you're really just sitting there and you're just like, Lord, this is just amazing that you've created these. You're their creator. You're our creator. We unite only because of you. That's the only reason we're here. <laughs> and we shared with them and little did I know, actually, this was so funny. This is sometimes I'm just like, okay, hey, God, whatever you want us to do. And, and don't try to put all the pieces together either, because sometimes that messes it up. So I didn't put all the pieces together. And I didn't know that we were the first actually religious group or even Western group that they've ever allowed into their, their community. <laughs> and I didn't know that they hadn't really heard the gospel before. Like they've maybe had um, Catholic missionaries, but they hadn't heard it. Maybe the pure straight up gospel. And I had one of my students share the gospel. Like, I mean, seriously, straight up cre creation to revelations. He, he like preached it. And then at the end of when we shared the, this tribe, the tribal leader, the chief, he got up and, you know, he's wearing this like traditional outfit and it was amazing. And he said, I want our people to ask you questions. And I was like, okay, I wasn't expecting this. And, and so the first question was, what is your purpose being here? Why would you come to us? What are you going to benefit from being with us? And why would we accept your religion? <laughs> and I was like, wow, that is actually such a good question. And in that moment, I was like, okay, Lord, give me the words. Oh, man. Mostly because just that fear of making sure I say the right thing. And first, the pastor spoke and shared how we're not trying to change religion because that's what they're worried about, actually. So that makes sense why they're asked that. But we're here just to introduce you to Jesus, just to introduce you. Your culture is beautiful. God created that. But we want you to know the creator and have a relationship with him. And then I got to speak into it, too. And I said, actually, you know, <laughs> In Christ and with our relate, like we just shared how we have a relationship with Christ and in him, we have all we need. Actually, we don't, we're not going to benefit really. We're not, there's not anything more we could add to that. Yes, we enjoy being with you in this time, but we have all we need. We just have come to share with you our upward calling, <laughs> to share with you the gospel, to share with you, which is essentially God's love. God created us to be in a relationship with him out of love. So we want to introduce you to that. So it's actually all about love. We plowed forward. We came to this tribe, but just to share with them love. 
It was amazing, the results, or what happened after that. I mean, not that we do it based on results, but God did work. There was about 12 that received Jesus that day. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, in heaven is going to be awesome just to see that there could be these, you know, people from other tribes together, all, we're all rejoicing in heaven. They gave me this bracelet and said, don't forget us. And I'm like, man, I will not. <laughs> I'm going to pray for you. It's amazing. So I just encourage you, do you know your upward calling? Do you know the gospel for yourself? The gospel is a person. Do you know the person of Christ who's living and active? He will work in your life in so many ways, but we have to come to terms with not striving, not trying to live life on our own, to know actually we are created to be in a relationship with God. And if you haven't received that relationship personally, I encourage you to pray and to receive the Lord. And it's not, not the prayer that saves you. It's just recognizing, Lord, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Paying the price for sin, you died and rose again. I accept that. I accept the free gift that you have for eternal life. But pray and, and, and proclaim that to the Lord. Say, God, okay, I'll receive this. It's easy, it's simple, and it's free, and it's the best decision you can ever make. So I'm going to pray, and yeah, pray that in your hearts if, if that's what you desire and that's what you want. And for all of us, may we just commit, not just this week, not just get fueled up on the Sunday and just carry on to the week. No, let's re always constantly commit our lives to the upward calling we have in Christ. Okay, I'm going to pray, and thank you so much for letting me come and share with you today. Let's pray. Yeah, Jesus, I stand here right now just so so thankful, Lord, for you, for the person of you, for what you've done for us, for us, that, that, that even though we may look back and we look side to side, but you're always there right in front of us. You don't change. You don't move. You're constantly with us, but it's us who look away. It's us who, who depend on other things. And, and God, I just pray, Lord, that all of us here in our hearts, Lord, we can just, maybe we need to recommit or to that upward call, or maybe we just need to, that reminder and solidify in our hearts that you are our upward call. It's not a place, it's a person, but you do bring us into places where we need to be, and I pray that we can be faithful to that place. So God, we recognize you, we recognize the life that you've given us, God, that you are our life. <laughs> you're our everything, you're all that we need. And we just praise you and we thank you, God, that we can have a relationship with you, our creator and God. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> thank you.